0: This is program C-742, and I would like us today to start with the book of Daniel. Uh, I've told you that one of the reasons I like to spend so much time uh, on this particular period of intertestinal period history is because it's a fulfillment of prophecies in the book of Daniel, and I think it might help you to hear some of those prophecies ahead of time. Uh, Now, you'll turn to Daniel chapter 11, starting at verse number 29 is where we're going to start. But I want you to tie it in with Antiochus IV, uh, the man who's decided he's going to eradicate religious Judaism. And he's he's decided to do away with the sacrifices in the temple by turning it into a Greek-style worship site. But he's not satisfied with that. He also sends out representatives throughout all of the countryside to force Jewish people to swear off Judaism and embrace Greek traditions and religion and so here's some of the descriptions of the events we've already talked about uh, in the in the story of Antiochus the fourth so Daniel chapter 11 verse 29 at the appointed time he will return and and come into the south, but this last time it will not turn out the way it did before. That is a prophecy of the second invasion of Ptolemaic Egypt that Antiochus carried out. And here's the reason why it didn't work out the same way. Verse 30, for the ships of Kittim will come against him. Um, Kittim is another name for Cyprus, and it is a reference to the Roman naval... Presence that was in the eastern Mediterranean during this time. And that presence extended to the mainland of Egypt. So the ships of Cantim will come against him, therefore he will be disheartened and will return. And that's exactly what happened, is the Romans gave him no choice but to leave Egypt. But, listen to the rest of this. And he will become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. And so he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. You remember there was a false rumor that arose that Antiochus had died while in Egypt. So you end up with a bunch of fighting that goes on in Egypt and he assumes the whole place is in rebellion so he comes to Jerusalem and starts killing people who are pro-Jewish religion. But he rewards those, such as the false high priest Menelaus, who are abandoning the true faith. Verse 31, forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. We talked about that. That happened on the 25th day of the ninth Jewish month in 167 B.C. Verse 32, by smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. So here we have a prophecy of those who will rebel against the true faith, the Jewish renegades, the Jewish uh, uh, people who abandon the true faith, but... Also the prophecy about people like Matthias, who stand up for the truth and put out the call. Anybody that's on the side of God, come with me. We're not going to put up with this. Listen to these words that describe Matthias and the other heroes of this time period. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many, many, Yet they will fall by the sword, and by flame, by captivity, and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they'll be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. And some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. Uh, So here we have the prediction that they're not going to have an easy road to hoe. Uh, those that want to stand up for the faith are going to not just simply have to fight against the Greeks, they're going to have to fight against renegade Jews. And some of those renegade Jews are going to pretend that they're on their side. And so there's going to be treachery, there will be people that die in all of this. But the end of the matter will be resolved properly and the temple will come back under righteous Jewish hands, it will be rededicated and the covenant will be back where it belongs to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And so that's the end, by the way, that is being referred to in the book of Daniel in that particular chapter. It's not the end of the world. I know a lot of people get sidetracked by that because they see that phrase and they think it's talking about the second coming of Jesus. It's talking about the end of this crisis that almost wipes out Judaism. Alright, with all that background, uh, we go back to uh, the story of Matithya. Matithya. And uh, we know that in the winter of 167, going into 166, uh, he refuses to offer the sacrifice prescribed by the Greek authorities. And when another Jew volunteers, To do this horrible thing. Uh, He executes him on the spot according to Mosaic law. And then he executes the Gentiles who are trying to force this. And then he and his sons and their family members all head for the hills. In order to avoid being um, arrested and executed by the Greek authorities. It would appear, to begin with, that Matithya did not intend to start a guerrilla war. He only simply was not going to allow this stuff to happen in his presence. And he was certainly not going to allow himself to be forced into it. So he goes out and hides out and tries to stay out of the way of the authorities. But it doesn't take very long before he comes to the conclusion, we can't avoid this. We're going to have to deal with this head on. So, First Maccabees chapter 2, verse 29. At that time, many who were seeking righteousness and justice went down to the wilderness to live there. They and their sons, their wives and their livestock, because troubles pressed heavily upon them. So, Mattithiah and his family and his son's families were not the only ones that left the cities at this time. A lot of religious Jews did go out into the wilder regions of the country to try to hide out, to wait this thing out. Verse 31. It was reported to the king's officers and to the troops in Jerusalem, the city of David, that those who had rejected the king's command had gone down to the hiding places in the wilderness. Many pursued them and overtook them. They encamped opposite them and prepared for battle against them on the Sabbath day. So the authorities are not going to let this slide. Their orders from the king are to eradicate all evidence of the Jewish faith. They are to destroy the holy writings. They are to stop the holy practices. And anybody that will not comply is to be killed. So going out and hiding in the woods, going out and hiding in the caves is not going to get you out of the way. Uh, It's just going to cause these guys to track you down. And that's what happens. And they track them down on a Sabbath day. Now this is an interesting turn of events. Verse 33, they said to them, enough of this. Come out and do what the king commands and you'll live. But they said, we will not come out, nor will we do what the king commands and so profane the Sabbath day. Then the enemy quickly attacked them, but they did not answer them or hurl a stone at them or block up their hiding places, for they said, let us all die in our innocence. Heaven and earth testify for us that you are killing us unjustly. So they attacked them on the Sabbath and they died with their wives and children and livestock to the number of a thousand persons. So in this one event, the Greek authorities tracked down a group of about a thousand resisting Jews. It's a Sabbath day, they start attacking them, and these Jewish people believe that you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, including defend yourself. And so they all die. They're all killed. And now I want you to understand there's nothing in the Mosaic Law that says you cannot defend yourself on a Sabbath day. The law said you're not supposed to do the regular work on a Sabbath day. These guys have already developed a, a a strong opinion about what is meant by that law, do not work on the Sabbath day. And it gets them killed. And verse 39 reports that when Mattith Yah, remember he's a priest, When Mattithiah and his friends learned of it, they mourned for them deeply and all said to their neighbors, if we all do as our kindred have done and refuse to fight with the Gentiles for our lives and for our ordinances, they will quickly destroy us from from the earth. And you can understand what he sees here. If they follow that same principle of not defending themselves on the Sabbath day, That all the Jewish, or excuse me, all the Gentile forces have to do is just always wait until the Sabbath day to attack the Jewish persons, and then they can wipe them out with no problem whatsoever. And Matthew Yah says that is not going to keep the faith alive. We can't allow that to happen. Verse 41. So they made this decision that day. Let us fight against anyone who comes to attack us on the Sabbath day. Let us not all die as our kindred died in their hiding places. So he says at this point, there is no reason from Scripture not to defend ourselves. They're not going to engage in military operations offensively on a Sabbath day, but that is not going to stop them from defending themselves on a Sabbath day. And I agree wholeheartedly. I believe that is a is a proper application of the Old Testament principle of Sabbath keeping. Verse 42. Then there united with them a company of Hasidians. Uh, now, the Hebrew would be Hasidim. And you'll hear about modern-day Hasidim. It's a Hebrew word for faithful ones. These are the ancient Hasidim. Um, who are going to be faithful to the law. Uh, I don't know whether they existed previous to this crisis. They may have come up as part of the beginning of this crisis. Remember when a bunch of Jewish people started abandoning Judaism wholeheartedly and they had high priests that were abandoning the Jewish faith? It may be that this group began in resistance to that publicly. But This group, I believe, ends up changing into what we know in the New Testament period as the Pharisee, the Pharisee, the Pharisees, uh, because the word Pharisee means separated, which is very close as a synonym to the idea of faithful. Uh, So we see here the very beginning, I believe, of Phariseeism. And they were the heroes of the time period, which will hopefully help you understand why the New Testament people looked up to the Pharisees, despite the fact that by that time they were starting to get quite um, off-kilter with what they were doing in their lifestyles. But uh, united with Matithya uh, are this company of Hasidim, mighty warriors of Israel, all who offered themselves willingly for the law, and all who became fugitives to escape their troubles, joined them and reinforced them. They organized an army. So they've got a militia force that they're putting together here. And now that they have seen they can't hide from this crisis, they decided to be proactive. Proactive. It's not unlike what happened in colonial America. Uh, Many of the people tried and tried and tried and tried over and over and over again to work things out with the crown of Europe, with the King of England. But the King of England was not having anything to do with the attempts uh, to fix the problem. And eventually um, his actions and the actions of his representatives in North America pushed the colonists over the top, and they started fighting back. That's what's happening here. Matithya, his sons, their neighbors, their friends, their fellow holy ones, have come to the conclusion, we have to do something to preserve the faith. So they organized an army and struck down sinners in their anger and renegades in their wrath. Now the difference between those two words is Sinners is a reference to the Greeks who are trying to track them down and kill them. Renegades would be the Jews who have voluntarily abandoned the law and who have now joined forces with the Greeks to eradicate the religious Jews because they see these religious Jews as a problem. Uh, The survivors fled to the Gentiles for safety. Uh, So the... Army, the, um, the guerrilla forces at Matithya go to some of these cities, some of these towns, and uh, they destroy the altars and kill anybody that tries to stop them, and the survivors go running off to the Greeks to try to, um, get reinforcements. Verse 45. And Matithya and his friends went around, they tore down the altars, they forcibly circumcised all the uncircumcised boys that they found within the borders of Israel. Uh, Now this is interesting, that they have a ceremonial circumcision, or they have a a circumcision ceremony for every little boy that they come across that hasn't been circumcised. Uh, And so some of these would be boys fairly old, because here we are, we're in 167, Remember that all of this process started back in about 175. So some of these kids, some of these boys, are probably six, seven uh, years of age. But they circumcised them. Um, They hunted down the arrogant, and the work prospered in their hands. They rescued the law out of the hands of the Gentiles and the kings. They never let the sinner gain the upper hand. So if they find out uh, where copies of the Holy Scrolls are located, where they're secured away. They go and get those. I, I told you that not all of them got destroyed. These guys are rescuing all of that. These guys are heroes. But then, Matithya comes to the conclusion he's about to die. And uh, he was an already an older man when all of this started. No doubt the stress... Uh, that came with this crisis uh, wore him down even more. Uh, but he, like many before him, senses that his physical death is just around the corner. So he leaves instructions for his boys what to do. Uh, his death apparently takes place sometime in 166 BC. First Maccabees chapter two verse nine gives us the story. Now the days drew near for Matithya to die. And he said to his sons, Arrogance and scorn have now become strong. It is a time of ruin and furious anger. Now, my children, show zeal for the law and give your lives for the covenant of our ancestors. Remember the deeds of our ancestors, which they did in their generations, and you will receive a great honor and an everlasting name was not Abraham found faithful when tested, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness? One of the things I love about Matithiah is he goes back to Scripture, the Scripture that he loves, which he's trying to protect, and he says, look at the inspired examples of the past. Think about Abraham, how he was declared righteous by God because he, he passed the test that was in his life. Verse 53, Joseph, in the time of his distress, kept the commandment and became Lord of Egypt. Phinehas, our ancestor, because these guys are all, uh, that is Matthias, Matthias, uh, they're all descendants of Aaron. And apparently they're related directly to, uh, to Phinehas. Because he was deeply zealous, received the covenant of everlasting priesthood. If you're not familiar with the story of Phinehas, um, it's tied in with the story of Baalam, the, the bad prophet, who, when he came to the conclusion, he couldn't curse God's people and get money out of it, that he told uh, the king of Moab, all you have to do is get your young people to invite their young people to a pagan worship ceremony uh, with all the drinking, with all the dancing, with all the sex, and that'll bring... Um, God's wrath down upon them because they'll be violating God's covenant. And uh, they didn't just simply uh, carry out that illicit activity uh, over in Moabite territory. They were bringing it back to the camp of Israel. And Phinehas saw that happen and he executed uh, on the spot uh, two people that were engaged in sexual behavior uh, that was wrong. And uh, because of that, he was affirmed as being uh, one of the priests to be um, uh, in this eternal priesthood or this this everlasting or ongoing priesthood. Uh, Verse 55, Joshua, because he fulfilled the command, became a judge in Israel. And Caleb, because he testified in the assembly, received an inheritance in the land. Remember, Caleb was one of the two good spies, Joshua being the other. And he spoke up, you know, that... I don't care what these other guys said. It's the promised land. God's going to do it for us. We need to go in there. Verse 57. David, because he was merciful, inherited the throne of the kingdom forever. Elijah, because of great zeal for the law, was taken up into heaven. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, or otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed and were saved from the flame. Daniel, because of his innocence, was delivered from the mouth of lions. Now what do all these have in common? They were all people who went through crises, through times where it was going to be tough to do the right thing, but they did the right thing anyway. And that's what Matithya wants his boys to hear from him before he passes on. Verse 61, and so observe from generation to generation that none of those who put their trust in him will lack strength. Do not fear the words of sinners, for their splendor will turn into dung and worms. Today they will be exalted, but tomorrow they won't be found because they will have returned to the dust and their plans will have perished. My children, be courageous, grow strong in the law, for by it you will gain honor. Here is your brother, Shimron, whom I know is wise in counsel. Listen always to him. He will be your father. So he, he declares that Shimron is going to be the patriarch of the family. He's going to be the wise counselor. But he's not going to be the one, uh, that's put in charge of the military operations. Listen to this next verse. Verse 66. Yehuda Maccabeus has been a mighty warrior from his youth. He shall command the army for you and fight the battles against the people. You shall rally around, uh, you shall rally around you all who observe the law and avenge the wrong done to your people. Pay back the Gentiles in full and obey the commands of the law. So this is how Judas Maccabee, Judas the hammerer, becomes the leader, the military leader, uh, of this, this righteous rebellion against the unrighteous command of Antiochus IV. Uh, verse 66 or 69, then he blessed them and was gathered to his ancestors. He died in the 146th year. Uh, those are always dated from 312 BC. and uh, then you have to decide which particular historical account you're reading as to whether that's based on a fall reckoning or a spring reckoning. Uh, just a little down and dirty stuff. Uh, so for the 146th uh, year would be 166 B.C. He was buried in the tomb of his ancestors, Modayim, and all Israel mourned for him with great lamentation. So he is the initial hero of this revolution. Later that year, in 166, the Samaritans, remember them? They reach out and make a deal with Antiochus. And Antiquities of the Jews, book 12, chapter 5, section 5, tells a little bit of that story. It says, when the Samaritans saw the Jews under their sufferings, they no longer confessed that they were of their kindred, nor that the temple at Mount Gerzim belonged to the Almighty God. This was according to their nature, as we've already shown. And now they said that they were a colony of Medes and Persians, and indeed they were a colony of theirs. And so we have here uh, Josephus critiquing the Samaritans of that time period of spinning everything to their advantage. So the moment that they see the Jewish people being persecuted for being Jewish, even though they have in their number... Many people that hail to Judaism or hail from the Jewish family tree, uh, and that they've been following much of the Jewish law, they they say, nope, nope, that that's not got anything to do with us. Uh, we're actually a colony of people from Mesopotamia, and uh, we're quite happy to go along with the program. Uh, subsection 261. We therefore beseech you, our benefactor and savior, this is part of a letter, to give order to Apollonius, the governor of this part of the country, and to Niconor, the procurator of your affairs, to give us no disturbance, nor to lay on our charge what the Jews are accused for, since we are aliens from their nation and from their customs. Let our temple, which is present, have no name at all, but the name Temple of Jupiter, Hellenaeus. Uh, So they basically say, we know that you're renaming temples after the Greek gods. Well, we're quite happy to welcome you here to our temple on Mount Gerizim. And we would be quite proud for you to name it after Zeus. Uh, Josephus uses Jupiter because he's writing for Romans and Jupiter is the equivalent of Zeus. So Zeus of Greece is what they want to name their temple after. And this is one of the reasons uh, that the the Jewish people will later destroy this temple when they take control of that part of, uh, of the uh, country. Because these Samaritans have declared that it would be a pagan temple. Uh, we will mark our place historically here and come back and talk more about what Judas Maccabee and the other heroes of this time period did in fulfillment of the prophecies of Daniel.